0: invite those who are able to please stand for the first lesson. It comes from Isaiah in the 60th chapter. And listen now to the Word of God. Arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For darkness shall cover the earth and thick darkness the peoples but the Lord will arise upon you and his glory will appear over you and nations shall come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn lift up your eyes and look around they all gather together they come to you your sons shall come from far away and your daughters shall be carried on their nurses arms and these you shall see and be radiant And your heart shall thrill and rejoice, because the abundance of the sea shall be brought to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you, the young camels of Midian and Ephah, and all those from Sheba shall come, and they shall bring gold and frankincense, and shall proclaim the praise of the Lord. And this is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated
1: second reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew in the New Testament, the second chapter. It is the completion of the Christmas story. I invite you to stand that we may hear together the reading of the Scripture. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, "'Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews?' for we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all of Jerusalem with him. And calling together the chief priests and the scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for it has been written by the prophet, And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means the least of the rulers of Judah, until it stopped of the place where the child was. And when they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child and Mary his mother, and they knelt down and they paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left their own country for their own country by another road." This is the Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Merry Christmas. It, it still is the Christmas season. The Christmas season extends until January 6, which is the day of Epiphany, the celebration of Epiphany, which we acknowledge today. It is the traditional day that is remembered when the wise men finally got to Bethlehem. The wise men weren't nearby as the shepherds were. It took them some time to get there, and so the story is they arrived on the twelfth day or the twelfth night, as it were. In some places in the world, in in Europe and in Latin America, it is on the twelfth night that gifts are given to children at that time. So there are some people in the world still looking forward to getting gifts. Um But we are here, and in our time, in our culture, we have made the twelve days of Christmas, not the the season of Christmas from Christmas to epiphany, but very often we think of it as the twelve last twelve shopping days of the season. But that is not what it is; it is the twelve days, a full twelve days until January 6th, so we can still enjoy. We still have the Advent wreath and the Christ candle lit as a reminder of the season of Christmas that has come to be with us. There are a few preachers and musicians out there, and not to say that I know any of them, but there are a few folks who, in a tradition actually within that is, that is from the uh, English experience, that emphasizes that the season of Advent, the four Sundays before Advent, are really to be not times of Christmas celebration, and you do that all after Christmas. And there have been times in my life when I have emphasized more of that than others, but we live in a culture where, where Christmas sort of blends, and so really once you get past Thanksgiving, and some places even after Halloween, we begin celebrating Christmas. And so we come doing that, and the 25th comes, and we put the decorations away, and it's all gone. But the story of Christmas, the power of Christmas, extends even beyond that, even now, to this week, to this season that we have. There is a saying that is attributed to Yogi Berra, uh, one of many, when you come to a fork in the road, take it. You may have heard that. And we think of it as sort of a little strange. However, there was really some wisdom in that, Um, Yogi Berra was not the first person that said this, but once it was attributed to him, he began to claim it. And, and as he got older, he even liked it more and more. Um, but he, he used it to, to give directions to his home, to, to someone, because evidently you would come to a fork in the road, and it really wasn't that much further one way or the other, so it didn't matter if you took the right fork or the left fork, you would still get there and so that's where that comes from. If you come to a fork in the road, you take it. But sometimes there are forks that, that come to us in the road, and, and we're not sure where the other road goes, how it, it, it takes place, where it leads us, um, and how we come will come to, to uh, find the, 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 the end of that road, the end of that journey. We're just not necessarily quite sure. Um, Time has its way of of pushing us along and wanting us to have to make decisions, and we come to that fork and we're not certain as to which direction to go. And very often we end up choosing one or the other when in reality it might have been better just to wait just a little bit longer before we were forced to, to make that decision. But Circumstances happen, and decisions are made, and roads are taken, and we need to find our ways down them. The wise men, the magi, as we know, um, had a decision about which road they were going to take. They had, they had come to Herod, and they had asked, where is this child that has been born king of the Jews? Now, Herod was the king of the Jews, and he didn't know about no baby being born And he was concerned. The political class in Jerusalem was all abuzz. Did you hear about these guys that showed up wanting to know where this king of the Jews was born? And the king of the Jews is right there. Herod, what's going on? There was uncertainty, and Herod was uncertain. But he played it cool, and he said, let me consult with my advisors and the the, uh, the spiritual leaders, and I'll tell you. And they went and they found in the old, from the Old Testament prophecy about the, the town of Bethlehem, and so off they went to Bethlehem. But before they left, Herod said to them, now come back and tell me where you find this child, because I want to go and pay homage to this child. But there was something more sinister at work, when you continue to read Matthew 2, you find out that, um, that, Be- that Herod sent his mercenaries, sent his uh, forces to Bethlehem, and they committed an atrocity. They killed children because they could not find where the Christ child was, where this child who the wise men called the king of the Jews was. They could not find him, so they killed male children in Bethlehem. It is a horrible piece of our story. Herod had something sinister in his heart, and he did not intend to do right by the Christ child or by the wise men, but they had some sense of this. And so the wise men went off on their journey, and they found the baby jo- the child, the Christ child, and they worshiped Him. And they presented their gifts, and then they began making their plans to go home. Yet one of them had had a dream, and the dream was not to return home. We're not told a whole lot about what the dream was. There are other places in Scripture where angels are described in dreams, or visions are described much more fully. This was very, very simple. One of them had a dream having been told in a dream not to return to Herod, what were they to do? Now, Scripture actually doesn't say there were three wise men. There were only three presents. We make the assumption that there were three. Each one of the presents had someone to present it. And that's, that's a good assumption to make. And it's part of our culture. And we've, um, we've written it that way. But I wonder if what it would have been like to have that conversation about the dream. We're not not told if all three of them had the dream, but maybe one did. And what would happen to that one who woke up and he said, guys, I had a dream. We're not supposed to go back the same way we came. We're not supposed to go back and see Herod. What would the others say? Would would one say, well, you know… Herod seemed like a pretty nice guy to me. He, he called together his advisors, and he, he fed us well, and he gave us things we needed. That's not in the Scripture. But we can think about what it was. Maybe another one said, oh, you know, he really gave me the creeps. I don't, I don't know. We don't know what was there, but only that there was this dream not to go and to go another way. And how would they go? Which road would they take? Which other way was there? All we know is they chose to go another way. Each of us in our own lives and as a community of faith here at First Presbyterian Church, each of us has times in which we face choosing those other roads, those other places that we are that we are to go. Um, sometimes we do it almost instinctively if, as you're traveling down the interstate and you, you see an exit and all of a sudden you, you want to ex- exit off and you, you dash off. Or sometimes we do it more deliberately. We, we think through what some of our options are. But we face choices as to which roads we are going to take. Certainly 2015 for First Presbyterian Church was a time for considering the road to take. Which brand of Presbyterian do we choose to be? Which route do we take? Does one of those routes lead to damnation and the other salvation? Maybe those weren't the exact terms that were used in that decision-making process. But from what I've been told, there were elements that approximated the emotional intensity that those words might bring to bear. There was a weightiness in the process. There was a a deepness to it. It's important to say that no denomination, no denomination will provide salvation or damnation for anyone. No organization that we belong to will be that. We will not be asked when we stand at St. Peter's gates, what kind of Presbyterian were you other than a Presbyterian who followed Jesus Christ? We're not going to be asked identifying information. The legacy of the Christian, we will be asked about our faith commitments. The legacy of the Christian church in our own nation, in our colonial past, back to our European antecedents, back to the ancient church, the legacy of the church is that it's been full of times of conflict and controversy. There are ugly marks in the past. There are times when people have been mean mean to each other. And, in more, and then few, in more than a few cases, coercion has been used. And even death has resulted. Christians killing other Christians because they didn't do something or didn't worship the way or believe the way that our side does. It is a deep part of our legacy. People went to great extremes to defend what they thought was correct, Because what we think does matter. Don't get me wrong. What we think does matter. But our salvation is not simply a matter of what we think. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not the result of works, so that no one may boast. Paul wrote that letter. Paul wrote that in his letter to the Ephesians for by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not something you do. It is a gift. No one can boast about it for your goodness. We celebrate it because it is given to us by God and Jesus Christ. The forks we come to in the road, the one that the Magi faced, and are, are about discerning the route to provide testimony to God's grace? How do we in Columbus, as members of First Presbyterian Church and in the larger community, how do we live out that testimony to God's grace? Most of the time, we don't have the benefit of making a decision knowing exactly how things are gonna turn out. Many times, we don't know that either road we take will end up at the same place. There are other uncertainties that are out there, and that creates anxiety within us. But no matter which road we take, I believe that God is able to use that road, and if there are one, is, is one choice at one point, there are other choices down the stream that will assist us in claiming and making the right, even better decisions. So how do we know which road to take? We can do what the Magi did. We can listen to our dreams. Those dreams, which in this case are, are, are told in a very sparse, minimalistic terms, but there are other dreams as well. Joseph received a dream to take the baby Jesus and Mary to Egypt to avoid the coming calamity. Again, it's in Matthew 2. Joseph received a dream from Gabriel that the birth of the Christ child would be a special event in the history of His people and that He should not abandon Mary because of that. There are dreams that we have from Scripture, and there are dreams that we may have individually for how God is at work in our lives, individually and together. We listen to those dreams. And we may have some of those conversations with ourselves, maybe like the disciples may have had. What do you think about that? Which way should we go? How do we do this? It's not always an easy process. It can, in fact, be messy. There are possibilities, no doubt, that are out there. Yet, we have them, we have them. No matter what the dream is, though, we listen to God through it. And we can listen to God in our own dreams. But listening also requires a willingness to come to a place of decision and action and direction. It requires a commitment. It won't happen unless we move from the realm of The dream to the realm of the body. And when we do that, when I look out at you this morning, on any given morning, when we do that, we have to recognize what are the things that we have? What is it that we have that we can use? First Presbyterian Church, you have a deep and abiding commitment to doing God's work in the world to doing God's mission in the world. Here in Columbus, as well as through support of any number of organizations and individuals around the world, you have that, and that is something that you can use. You have a commitment to structure an educational program so that you equip yourselves and your children and your youth. So that they know ways of faithful discipleship. You have that. You provide meaningful ministry within this community, downtown and in larger Columbus. You have that. You have been blessed with thoughtful saints who, in the past, have set aside significant gifts that allow the church to use some of those resources from days gone by and through endowments and other ways of supporting necessary things that are going on you have that and within yourselves you have an incredible generosity of being able to respond to needs one that I shared just a few minutes ago in terms of an immediate financial need the way in which you respond to those needs individually and collectively. And all of those things need to be affirmed and lifted up and supported and grown. They cannot simply stand still. They must be utilized even further. Even so, with all of these gifts, there are times of choosing roads. And in 2016, we must choose some roads. The situation here is not what it was even a year ago, but that does not mean all is lost. By trusting in God's grace, we together may choose to live in a hope that is beyond what we can think we know, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Several years ago, Joan Gray, who is a Presbyterian minister from Atlanta, served as moderator of the Presbyterian Church USA. And when she was faced with questions about the church and the seemingly intractable issues that were facing the denomination in, at that time, which was about ten or twelve years ago, she said. When we think there is no way, God will provide the way. When we think there is no way, God will provide the way. That is a good watch, watchword. I, th- I have to think that that watchword was the watchword that the wise men used, but it was also the watchword that Mary and Joseph used know that they needed to leave for Egypt. It was the watchword that Jesus abided by throughout His life and ministry. It is the watchword even, not simply of Christmas and Epiphany, but it is the watchword for Holy Week for Jesus was executed and He died. And it seemed like all was dead, but there was a way. There was a way to new life, to new power, to goodness. And as people of faith in Jesus Christ, we hold on to that. That animates us. That supports us. When it doesn't seem as if there is a way, God has this wonderful way of letting us know there is. Some of it comes to us in dreams. Some of it comes to us in gifts. But it comes to us. There are things to work out here for sure. There are conversations that we need to have. There are decisions that we need to make. Maybe even some of our assumptions need to be checked and rethought. Maybe we need to allow ourselves to dream again. And as we do that, we will find the way to travel on the other road. Thanks be to God. Amen.